0: you are at the right place, my friends. This is Shawnee B, your guest host this week. While with Sam away on his honeymoon after marrying the lovely Aisling, we wish them all the best. That's the only change this week. We'll review all the major talking points from the weekend's action. There'll be a review of the Champions League from the lads and all the regular fun of Quiz Time, Pulis Watch and Prick of the Week. Plus, uh, the best betting tips uh, for this coming weekend, one of the things that we've just been noticing, and we're welcoming today all of you joining us from the Foundering Football Weekly podcast from the Guardian, where we can exclusively reveal that we are in active discussions with wantaway chubby holding Irish midfielder Barry Glen Denning. That said, however, early reports are suggesting that his arrival will seriously disrupt the PS Football podcast wage structure but who the hell needs Glenn Denning when you already have unique Anglo-Irish punditry and banter we bring you every week and on the panel today we have Scott Bowman a supporter of West Ham but not the glorious dildo brothers who own that club welcome Scott thanks thanks for having me Peter Henry the Liam Toohey of the pod and presumably still smiling after Manchester United's performance at the weekend welcome Peter
1: how's it going lads
0: Danny Ward, our resident angry statistician, who's probably still trying to come up with some viable excuses for Liverpool's capitulation at Manchester City on the weekend and how he'll probably tell us this year Liverpool will definitely win the league. Welcome, Danny. Yeah,
2: I'm working on it, yeah.
0: Good man. And last but not least, our pundit who sounds like the real deal with his Trevor Brooking nasal tones, Carl (laughs) (laughs) Kawilliam. (laughs)
3: He loved that comparison uh, The Spurs
0: fan is probably the happiest camper of all our potters after the weekend Carl, welcome and we'll start with you That performance by Spurs against Everton at Goodison was something else, yeah?
4: Definitely, great performance, everything looks solid And uh, I think it was Danny who potentially said a couple of weeks ago when I had my famous Burnley rant that Spurs might be slow starters, but once they get going, we'll be fine. And obviously Harry Kane got August out of the way and now September's here. It's quids in. Fill your boots, lad. And he certainly did. Twenty-five
0: shots without a goal and he finally scores
4: with a cross. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it's good to see him come out after the game and actually, you know, he's try and see some players, that not you, try and claim, no, 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 that was a shot, knew what I was doing, but he's a bit more honest than that, you know, fair play, it was definitely a cross.
0: Somebody tell me about Everton, I thought it was a really terrible performance by them, particularly in midfield.
1: Yeah, they were poor and when you consider all the talk of them potentially trying to break the top six and and um, how active they were in the transfer market. They played Chelsea and Spurs in the last two weeks and they've only mustered one shot on goal and they were completely outclassed in both games. So it really shows how far they are away from breaking the top four. It'll be a lot more transfer windows. They definitely haven't replaced Lukaku's threat through the middle. They played Klassen, Rooney and Sigurdsson the other day, who were all good players, they're all kind of number 10s. Pace wouldn't be up high in any of their list of attributes. I know I tipped Sandro to have a really good season, the young boy from Spain, but he looks a little bit green and he looks like he needs a bit of time to settle. I think for Everton not getting an established Premier League goalscorer in may come back to haunt him. I'm not sure if Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka Exactly uh, scream top four at the back either. So still a lot of work to do for Everton. I doubt the whole Wayne Rooney fiasco over the last couple of weeks has exactly helped matters at the club either.
0: As a sort of an on-strike Manchester United fan, which you might talk about later, uh, I know Danny referenced me in a previous pod, but I was, very, uh, I was very pleased actually to see Schneiderlin being so shit and Rooney. And it just shows you that we probably offloaded those two guys. Very, very unimpressed with the midfield. Spurs
2: just carved through them like butter. Tottenham's midfield seemed to outwit Everton's. Uh, Just with the fluency of movement, uh, every time Everton's defence looked like there was any kind of pressure on them, they they looked like they were prone to freeze. After watching five or six minutes of it, uh, having already known the score, granted, but still it just looked like there was only one side that were going to win it one team looked like a team that had been fine-tuned and had been playing together for a while and had been with their manager for a while and the other looked like there was 11 new signings three of them playing behind a five million pound striker they've signed 11 players now it's a jigsaw that's going to take a while to be pieced together when you receive 90 million pounds for your main striker your best player and you and reinvest that money on three players that play behind uh, a striker, and you spend five million on your finisher. Now let's not pretend if you're only going to play one guy up front and you've three three guys that create or should create plenty of chances behind that striker. Five million's not enough. He came off at half time, which won't do his confidence any good. And they brought on Calvert Lewin, who I think I think he'd be a good player in the years to come. But if that's if that's your replacement for a five million pound striker and you've got ambitions. Of getting into the top four, you're gonna fall well, well short. Uh, Everton had one shot on target at home. It's not good enough against a team that have started only okay, uh, Tottenham. Yeah. You know, and if they if they beaten Burnley at home, you'd be thinking these Tottenham have had a very good start. So we're just 45 minutes
0: away from the uh, kickoff of. This uh, season's Champions League fixtures, Manchester United are kicking off against Basel or Barl or however the fuck you pronounce that. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Spurs' chances in the Champions League this year?
4: I'm a little bit more optimistic than. Last year, then, I think, we got drawn in quite an easy group last year, or what looked an easy group on paper, because no one really knew what was coming from Monaco last season. So we all looked at that and thought, well, we'll go through top of that group. Happy days. And obviously, we bummed out. But this year, when that draw was made, everyone thought, well, Dortmund and Madrid, tough group, tough group. Spurs might struggle. I actually think that will work in our favour this year. And that pressure off against the likes of Madrid, no one's going to expect us to beat Madrid home or away so I think the big games now against Dortmund starting tomorrow and they've got quite a few injuries to be honest Royce is out key defenders out for them I'm pretty confident we'll go through second in that group how far we go from there I'm not so sure whether we just take a round of 16 do the Arsenal and go out in that first round of 16 but if we can get through the group then that'll be progress as such I read
0: a good quote today, which was sort of taking the piss out of the whole group heart of the Champions League. And the 16 clubs that qualified for the uh, knockout stages uh, were the top 16 or 15 richest clubs. Uh, the only one that didn't fit qualify the top 16 was Spurs last season. What's the, what's the panel's view on the kind of inanity and the oversupply of matches? And I see there's some team playing Chelsea. who I don't even know where the fuck. I think they're from Azerbaijan. What oh, I
3: was... hate the Champions League. I mean, literally <laughs> I'm not I don't surprised. West Ham No, it's unlikely I don't care if we're ever playing it I don't like it I want the uh, Anglo-Scottish Cup to come back That's a proper competition <laughs> I-, I want the Cup Winners' Cup back I want the Europa League to go back to being a knockout UEFA Cup competition You'll never be in the Cup Winners' Cup either so what Probably not oh, the- <laughs> oh, Hold up a minute, hold up We've got European pedigree won the Cup Winners' Cup in 1965 and we won the United Cup in 1999 And you won the World Cup in 1966 That's not Europe. <laughs> well, different, different ball game that. So, <laughs> when was the last time you won in Europe? So, well, well, we've here we there. go, here it, we go. Head it, in Spurs, but. No, I, I don't like the Champions League. It's, it's a, it's a, it is the Super League that all the big clubs wanted to years and years ago. They've talked about it. We've got the biggest and best playing. It's a big money spinner for them. Uh, I remember there was uh, noises about uh, Leicester City being in there that put a few noses out a joint because they weren't glamorous enough. It is a, a big money league for the big boys. You say you don't like it, but if West Ham
4: qualified for it and you had a group of Barcelona in that, you'd be well up for it.
3: Listen, if West Ham qualify for the FA Vase, I've watched that. It's not a point of where West Ham <laughs> particularly play. It's the, the whole competition is the epitome of greed amongst the big clubs. If you're having a Champions League, the clues in the name, I want to see the, the champions of Romania. You the, the viewer might not want. I want to see the champions of Ireland. I want to see the champions of Wales. I want to see the You the don't champions. want to see the champions of Ireland really. Uh, <laughs> oh I do, it. it'd be fun, <laughs> The cricket scores
2: they play Real Madrid. It'd oh. be good for them as
1: well. Scott, I couldn't disagree with you more. Um, yeah understand. like to be honest with you when it gets it's small to club,
2: small club mentality I think, I think it that's is that's what
1: it there, is um, you know? w- w- in, I understand that of course the group phase there there is you know a lot of mismatches there and maybe it is set up for the bigger cl- teams to go through but uh, lads when you get to the quarter final or the semi final stage of the Champions League as a purely as a football fan forgetting club allegiances <laughs> that is the creme de la creme the level of games you see yeah, there mightn't be high-scoring games, but just you know the tactical battles, just the quality, the technique of the players Agree, on the show Agree. is absolutely Agree. top Agree. drawer. I think in terms of, of the English teams, I was looking at it today, and I think one of the reasons they've been so poor over the last few seasons, I think City got into the semi a couple of years ago, actually, but there was basically a no-show against Real Madrid. I think the level of defending in general has just gone to shite in the Premier League over the last five or six years. Maybe they're so built up to make it the most entertaining league that somehow the the level of defending has gone down because I thought United were quite poor defensively this week. Liverpool and City's defensive problems are well publicised. Spurs, I think everyone has given Spurs loads of credit over the last few years, and rightly so. But I think they got away um, without a bit of criticism last year because a club that builds them up so much to get into the Champions League, once they got there last year, some of their performances were abject at best.
0: Let's go around, everybody. Who do you think is going to last the longest out of the UK and who's going to win it? Let's start with you, Peter.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one. I,
0: say, I said UK because I meant Celtic, obviously, as well. <laughs> <laughs> well <won't> that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm going to go with United and City will get to the quarters. I think in a European competition, I, I know United ha- uh, Mourinho has his critics, but if you want to get a 1-1 draw or hold on to, you know, get a 0-0 or something in European competition, as he proved by just scraping United through the Europa League, I know that the quality will be a lot higher. I don't think anyone will get by the quarterfinals, to be honest with you. And I think maybe it'll be the two Manchester clubs that get get there. Because Conte actually has a really poor record in cup competitions in general. He's only ever won the Supercoppa d'Italia. He went there as the league winner. He's never won a knockout tournament. Um, And just interestingly, going back to the defensive, highlighting the defensive flaws of the English teams, Chelsea are the Premier League champions, obviously. And I saw an interesting stat the other day. They've only kept four clean sheets out of their last 20 Premier League games, which shows you, I think, the main reason why English clubs have struggled over the last maybe five or six years. Okay, and your winner? My winner, I think Real Madrid are the best, team in Europe at the moment but I'm going to go for a Neymar and Mbappe inspired PSG win Danny
2: I think it's between United or Chelsea the best defences of any of the English teams in it when you're taking European experience as well Tottenham have a better defence than either of them but they don't have that European they don't have that little bit of nous and they don't have the old heads I'm talking about managers as well that know how to go and grind out a result know how to go and say right we've won our first leg 1-0 at home how do we go and get a nil all is there anyone better than Mourinho I don't think so I think Conte has enough about him to be able to tweak the team to go from a 3 to a 4 at the back having that sort of flexibility in Europe especially away from home will really help them if you look back at the golden era i suppose of uh, english clubs in the champions league 2000, 2000 sorry and 3 to about 2010 2011 and there was a serial uh, english teams british teams in the semi-finals quarter-finals every year liverpool there you know into the semi-finals united there chelsea all english finals the reason that was happening was if you look at the types of managers that were managing the top English sides at the time, and I'm talking about Mourinho and Rafa Benitez, who were very, very astute at going and trying to get a specific result, not going out and playing football like Jurgen Klopp will go out and just try and win a game. He, he, I don't think he has the tactical nous to go and say, "All right, let's go, let's go and try and draw this game one all." He's just going to go out and play the same way he usually does. That's where I think the advantage lies with United and Chelsea. Who's um, your winner? I do think an English club will get to the semi final this year because Bayern Munich are a little bit weaker. I also think Barcelona aren't up to as much as they were, but I'm gonna go for Real Madrid. Been there, done it, bought the T shirt, back to back winners, and they have a new kid, Marco Sencio, who looks like he might be the real deal, he might be the new superstar. So for me, with all that with all with all the winners they have, Zidane still at the helm, I think yeah, Real Madrid. I couldn't look too far past them. How about you, Carl?
4: So, yeah, I'd agree with Chelsea. I think Chelsea will go the furthest in this competition. I've just got a sneaky feeling. They'll, um, I think they'll get to the quarters. I think them and maybe City get to the quarters, and then that's it. Uh, winners, I think it'll be between Madrid and PSG, to be honest. I think with uh, Mbappe and Neymar, I think they'll really worry everyone this year but you still wouldn't put it past Madrid and Ronaldo and co to get it over the line having done what they've done before so how about you Scott I'm going to go
3: with City to do the best Guardiola's mindset is more European, his approach to football is more European, and I think he's more suited to the styles of football he comes up against. I think he's more at home with that rather than the power and the pace of the Premier League, which he, you can see he struggles with time to time. So I think City might impress, uh, and I don't think you can look too far past Manchester United. Uh, and Chelsea as well. Again, the experienced managers, Mourinho knows how to win games. That's his, that's his forte. Uh, Conte might break a duct as well. I, I fancy definitely an English club in the semi-final. As for the winners, it's either PSG as well or, or Real Madrid. I think that'll be your final.
0: We'll stick with you for a second because two of the under fire managers, one of them didn't survive the weekend, which we'll come to uh, as Frank de Boer lost his job. The other guy was your fella Slavan, who uh, I, I understand you were at the game last night, yeah?
3: Yeah, I was at the game. What was, was the atmosphere like? like? It Started off well. Peaked out as the game got a bit dogged in the trenches. Um, we had a really good first half, I thought. We had the majority of the game kept Huddersfield uh, in their own half for the majority of that. We just couldn't break the duck. And the second half, obviously, with the uh, lucky effort by Aubameyang, it doesn't matter. You score, you score goals, and it was a lot of relief around the stadium. I mean, Huddersfield Town aren't rivals, but it's a night game, so it was a bit, It's always buzzing of a night, so the atmosphere was okay. It wasn't call it anything more than okay but when you get a yeah. London derby under the lights just like Upton Park that place can rock and I can say it for the Spurs game and the Chelsea game last season I think any West Ham fan will back that up but there are certain teams like Huddersfield there's no rivalry there the whole game for, for a West Ham supporters perspective was getting the three points uh, and yeah. we got that and the nice thing to see was we wasn't a soft touch last night it was boring as far as it felt like Allardyce was on the touchline rather than Billich um, and yeah. a lot of the long balls etc I watched the game as well
0: last night, and I I, I really thought they were playing for Bilic. Antonio was absolutely amazing. I thought Carroll was just a double handful, as he usually is. And you've got Lanzini and stuff to come in. So I... Well,
3: as, as to the initial question, how I see Bilic going, if he shows a bit more versatility with his tactics, then I don't see any reason why we can't improve and go on. We've got a really tough game against... Uh, Tony Pulis who would have been amazingly proud of Slavin Village's performance against <laughs> Huddersfield I reckon he'd have sent him a text a bottle of wine saying well done you yeah. see the light and how to play football that's how I do it that's how you should do it bloody hope not by the way apart from the odd game again shows a bit of versatility but he's still got the majority of West Ham fans behind him Allardyce wouldn't have ever had never Yeah, he's still a popular figure and I think everyone in that ground wants him to do well If he can adapt the way we play, if we can entertain at times, we know we're going to get beat. We don't want cricket scores. That happened all too much last season. And I think he would be fine. Um, The only, the other problem he faces, the two pricks upstairs with a brass alongside him. They're a massive problem. There wasn't a protest at the game. There was murmurs that there was going to be protests against the board. Well, um, they li- they, li- they listen to this podcast, so I'm sure they'll get I them. do, they do. I got a text have. message from Jackson. <laughs> You're a fucking prick. Stop slating my dad off and calling him the pair of dildo brothers. I did, of course, oblige and tell him to fuck off. <laughs> but, so from, um, from the dildo
0: brothers, we move to Steve Parrish, who's another bit of a dildo. Mm-hmm. And Frank De Boer gets shot in the head after, I only saw the highlights, but Palace team, that I thought were also playing for him. And, and I just really can't understand how he gets the chop. Anyone want to row in on that?
1: I think we discussed it over the last few weeks, and I think it's been obvious to everyone that Parish and whoever else is on the board with him, they brought De Boer in to supposedly um, change the whole structure at the club and to start to play a more progressive, you know, in the same way as Ajax. So they bring De Boer in, but they left him with a squad that had been built by proper football men like Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, and Tony Pulis. And then they didn't go and back him in the transfer market, so...
0: The blubbery Sam Allardyce was the uh, pundit on Sky yesterday with Jamie Carragher and he was like blaming foreign coaches and it's a terrible shame that they didn't continue the great job I did last year and blah 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 he
2: loves himself
0: Sam Allardyce he then outlined the Allardyce blueprint for staying in the Premier League one was clean sheets and score first the other one was don't lose possession in your own half the other one was play the first pass forward the fourth was win knockdowns and transitions work out your Set pieces, exploit the opposition's weaknesses and quality in the final third. I think I could be a manager following that. The first
3: remembering all
1: of that. I saw some interesting quotes today actually about. I think the players were very much invo- involved in his downflow- downfall. The likes of Damian Delaney and Martin Kelly and all were all ostracized. They were basically told they're not good enough footballers to play in the Boers team. And supposedly, right. supposedly, um, I saw a funny one today. Uh, just shows player power is still there. Supposedly, he, he started getting involved in training sessions. He was picking the ball down out of the air and banging it into the top corner. And the players thought that was a bit arrogant. <laughs> they didn't like the land, fact. No. They didn't like the fact that a boy who used to play for Ajax in Barcelona, who's been retired for ten years, was still a better player than most of them. So, mm-hmm. you know that that obviously had a had a bit of an effect there. I think he he was he wasn't given the backing he needed to ever succeed There, considering the old fashioned players that he was left with, and it, Parrish needs to take a serious look at himself because. In his short stint at Crystal Palace, is now responsible for three of the top ten. I think it is shortest reigns ever in Premier League history. So,
0: Danny Roy Hodgson surely is the answer. I'm being yeah. very
2: sarcastic. <laughs> oh, well, of course, but now, how does Steve Parish get it so wrong? I, I don't. I don't understand this. You're going for a manager that you look at, okay, with his uh, with his Ajax links. He sells the idea of this is the this is my blueprint for the future. I want three or four years. To get uh, a few things put in place. After a couple of minutes, you could see the players panicking and not knowing what to do. But that was within two minutes of their first game of the season. But Steve Parrish, how can you go for a young progressive manager who he would have thought to bore to be, and as obviously was a massive change attack from the previous managers he's had, and then go from that to why? He goes straight to why. If I was a Palace fan now, I'd be feeling sure changed anyway. And from an outsider looking in. Steve Parrish for me He's the same as Simon Jordan Slightly different haircut But actually the exact same haircut Anyone remember Simon Jordan? They're the same fucker altogether yeah, bet One wears pinstripes And one doesn't wear pinstripes I want pa- Palace to get relegated now It's <laughs> Steve Parrish has done that to me I used to like Palace I think they're great fans They sing their hearts out But uh, Roy Hodgson He fucked Liverpool And uh, I hope he fucks uh, Crystal
3: Palace More suited <laughs> to
1: that group of players Though lads maybe no. If, if they want to stay up
3: Roy Hutchins, a football dinosaur. He's passed it. England he did are a great, not great job at
1: England. At he did a great job at England. Let may I say?
3: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, it'd be okay. all right, weren't
4: they, Palace? They have Ben, ben Teke taking corners from now on, weren't they? <laughs> you
1: know?
4: Hello, Harry. Let's, let, let's move on from uh, poor old Frank de Boer and wish him the best. And he's probably he's
0: probably got out of a shit thing anyway. And uh, over to, is that what he got?
3: Apparently six million.
0: That's uh, not too bad for. Uh, four games Danny give us your excuses on uh, Liverpool Man City
2: uh, drum roll there's no need for a drum roll I, I tried to take things in, in context of uh, how they happened I watched a game Liverpool looked very dangerous Man City were one silly lunge from um Mende away from being down to ten men before Liverpool were, were down to ten men top Man City with three at the back none of them looked like they knew what they were doing so, in the first half an hour, there's not much in the game. Mohamed Salah's finishing very poor. He's a bit
0: like a little foal, isn't he, Sterling? He just kind of puts his head down. and
2: Yeah, I think I have a theory now. I think I've only come up with it over the weekend, though. You see these players that are lightning quick. You see it with Rashford as well. They're so quick. They're running with the ball. If they don't take time to stop and compose themselves... It's, imagine how hard it would be to be running at full pelt and then and then kicking the ball at the same time into it into like curling it into a lovely area yeah Ryan Giggs was pretty good at that if you think about it Sterling Rashford Salah they're three of the quickest players uh, in the Premiership no one of them's close to being a good finisher so there is a lot to be said if you look at some chunkier meatier men back in the day Chris Waddles Matt Latissier's, who couldn't run at that sort of pace if their life depended on it some of the best finishers, cool. Because they're playing the game at a different pace. Now, obviously, everyone, all footballers have different attributes. But I do think there's something in it. And I think maybe from a coach's uh, point of view, trying to slow down a player. Um, you look at Jordan Ive as well. Two shots on target in a year. There's something to really pacey players not having that composure or not being able to slow down and get their shot off properly. But anyway, that's, that's a bit of a ramble. The game itself, nothing in it for half an hour they get a goal out of nothing I thought it was a little bit of a nudge on One Wijnaldum it wasn't really spoken about but Liverpool's defence just parted like just yeah. opened up and you, you just knew once it fell to Aguero I had the same feeling and this is for you Scott I had the same feeling last year when Coutinho put one through for uh, Sturridge you knew he was going to just go around the keeper and bury it and you never think Aguero's missing there if that had fallen to, to a Salah a Sterling a Rashford is it a 50 50 chance? Maybe, but with Aguero, you know where it's going. And then the sending off happens. And for me, I thought it was a sending off straight away. I you know Gary Neville. There seems to be a lot of commentators who, once they initially said something, you don't see them change their mind. And I don't yeah. know if that directive from Sky or something. You don't, <laughs> you don't look weak. Or you don't look like yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's probably a man thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a man thing. Well, I'm not I'm not much of a man then, because I can change my mind if I... If, you yeah. said you thought
0: I was sending off straight from
2: the start. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just talking about in other facets of it. What about the Richie on Molson high tackle between, yeah, on yeah, the Yeah, okay. game? When you look at it, it's just p- player reactions. Now, one was smashed in the face and one wasn't. But Molson, Alfie Molson can go down and hold his head for five minutes, and Richie probably gets the same treatment, same punishment. Well, no. I'm, just, I'm so surprised that happened like a day after like it's not like those tackles happen all the time and we three this weekend and two of them only get booked for a man who's was the first to happen
0: one of the things I wanted to throw out to, the, to you guys was you know if it was a two-footed lunging sliding tackle with studs showing and the player who's who's sliding in connects with his opponent nearly breaking his leg that's a straight red right yep if he go if he goes sliding in with two feet with two feet, with his studs showing, at two feet, and he misses the player. You'll often find that he won't get a red for that. Yeah. He might get booked. He might get nothing. The, the the Liverpool game, the keeper got fucking studs in the face, and in the Newcastle game, the guy got it in the arm, and it was a two inches or five inches away from being a red car but he got a yellow I thought it was I thought it was fair referee
3: I don't sorry I I don't I mean because it's all about intent I mean and and the danger of the game it's more fast-paced than ever so the likelihood of injuries based on uh, sloppy tackles or when you're not concentrating there's a higher chance of injury so I love the physical game which is why I'm attracted to the Premier League and going back to what Danny was saying a minute ago well one thing between us and the Europeans is they're better athletes in the Premier League but they're not necessarily better football players so when you're rushing in with some of these big tackles um, And you're putting your feet about and it can connect with any part of the body. I mean, if it's a dangerous tackle, it's a dangerous tackle and it should be a red for me.
1: They've changed the law recently that it's in I think a couple of years ago they brought in exactly the scenario you you suggested, Shawnee, in that intent was enough back then. But it's been changed now to be a letter it's a letter law approach. So if you make contact, whether it was intentional or not, that is serious. And you know, I I think we can all agree like kicking someone at full pace with your foot uh, six foot up in the air with the studs on the boots these days and everything you don't get much more dangerous than that and probably the fact he connected is what, what did him and that's the main difference with the Richie one I would say
0: yeah, I don't buy I mean, the intent I mean, thing because because it, you know there's so many. I mean, there's a lot of red cards that aren't intentional. You know, you can swing your elbow by mistake and hit somebody and get sent off. So I'm not sure about the intent bit.
2: So many people are saying though, his eyes. But look, look at Manny. His eyes were on the ball. His eyes are on the ball. You, I can't be running down the wing looking at the ball with my fists out punching everyone that fucking runs <laughs> by me. You know what I mean?
4: It's, but when it's, you look at that, when you look at that incident. Klopp tries to say he doesn't see the goalkeeper. I'm sorry, when you watch that incident, Mane looks up and sees the goalkeepers coming. He knows he's in a race now with you're, that goalkeeper. You're dead right. And what yeah, he should right. do is once he gets to the certain point and he thinks, oh, it's me and him now, This they're bang 50-50, why not just pull out at that stage? I, pull out I know everyone will say, I want my strike again for the ball. But once he knows, if I stick my foot up here now and his head's coming, why don't I just withdraw my foot? You're right. I know I ain't going to get that ball now and rather than risk a potential Well I think that off. was a bit too close to be pulling he, he, out He may it have been but he definitely sees the keepers coming he no. knows he's in that race and anyone you know Klopp trying to come out after the game and say he no, know, Why would he have a spot it? up there if was no keeper coming out Exactly, she's just, she's gonna run exactly. The he's He never knows he's got to try and flick there. it over doesn't he yeah. He knows yeah. he's got to try and flick it past him The difference with that sort of tackle is I think a few years ago you had the nanny one for United against Real Madrid And that was an incident Where he the ball goes over his shoulder He turns around with his foot in the air And before you know it There's a guy running into him Now that one was harsh Because he didn't see the guy coming Whereas well, Manny um... he knows he's in that race So could he have pulled out Should he have pulled out who knows? But it's it's a red by the letter of the law issue. I think it'll run and run. The other
0: thing about the game I just wanted to bounce off Danny was it was Klopp's heaviest defeat in his career, by the way, joint heaviest. And I don't know whether you saw some of his com- his press conference afterwards, but he uh he seemed a bit shell shocked. He didn't re- he didn't realise you were um go down when it happened
1: and he didn't realise you were playing on Wednesday instead of Tuesday or stuff he like that. that uh, he,
2: had, he had a lot of people confused. Are you going to watch the game on Tuesday? He says, oh, it's definitely Wednesday because I know it's the missus birthday tomorrow. So I knew it was Wednesday. Uh, unfortunately, I'm working. I get to see it this way. So uh, I wouldn't have got to see it if it was a birthday and we were out for dinner. So it kind of works out all right. Um, sorry, Fat. But uh, yeah, no, he, he was a bit all over the place. What he was most annoyed about was the way I saw the first half an hour. I think Klopp saw it a bit the same. Liverpool didn't really see how much they were in that game. They were really in that game and had chances to pick Man City off, three or four chances to pick them up, and they didn't. For me, Liverpool aren't mature enough. Yeah. If that was Man United uh, under Mourinho and they're 2-0 down at half-time, they'd probably go out and lose the game 2-0, maybe 3-0. What I would have liked to see as a Liverpool fan was Liverpool being mature enough to go out there and say, right, Use this as a training exercise. We're not getting back in this game. The game is done. The game is fucking over. Go out there and pretend you're 1-0 up and you're away to Man City and try and close out the game and win a 1-0. There's no reason with 10 men you can't defend properly. It's not like you've had four centre-backs taken off or you're a keeper sent off. You've had a forward player taken off. Liverpool could have still defended well try to take something from the game and for me they looked disheartened. They were running around at the end of the game. They took nothing from the game where they could have taken the positive the positives out of it that okay, if in future we go one 0 up and we're under the cosh and we fucking dig in. And that's the bit that annoyed me. I don't think they lose too much confidence from it. It was a bit it was a bad day at the office but they could have taken something from it. They're All right.
0: All right, we're going to go through some of the other games uh, quickly, but before that we're going to do the excitement of quiz time, which I know a lot of you listening are looking forward to. We have a playoff between Danny and Peter and a playoff between Carl and Scott, and the winners go through to the final quiz question, which we'll ask later in the podcast. So a bit like the Champions League, these are the group stages. A quiz question for Danny and Peter jean Eric maxime chopo moting scored twice in Stoke's 2-2 draw with Man United. How many goals did he score for Schalke Peter. in 20? 23- yes.
1: Is that Peter. last last season?
0: Yes. Three. Three is the correct answer, Danny. You, uh, missed you it had, had a little chat earlier on. Robert no, no, this. we didn't
1: actually. Oh, and, and, and,
0: and, can I just say for the record, you, you weren't meant to give him the rest of the question. All right, I, I had the same answer that last week. No, so, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't supplied
3: in my host guessing of a podcast briefing. Well, so yeah, well, well, next, well next week, well, Sean, I say the, 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 the quiz master this week sounds a lot like Henry Kelly. It's very nice, it reminds me of going for gold. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's see how you go
0: with this one, then, Scott. Um, it, so, oh, he didn't for, like that for Carlotte Scott. I don't <laughs> give a shit. <shame. laughs> so, for Carlotte Scott, Harry Kane scored his 100 and no. 100. Oh, Carl. Oh. Okay.
1: Shite. <laughs> right. the gone man.
4: <laughs> um, how many has he scored of his right foot? Uh, 66% of his goals were his right foot. Uh,
0: incorrect answer. Uh, Scott, I'll give you the full question. Thank Harry Kane scored his and 101st Premier League goals against Everton. How many games did it take him? Uh,
4: 147. Carl? Oh, am I still in? Am I? Oh. Not, not, not really. But you know. Okay. Um, I'll go 100 and stop googling. Yeah, 160.
1: 160. You, one six 160.
4: nine. No. Yeah, what? the answer is
0: one six nine, Carl, Ooh. because you uh just were impertinent. You don't get through. So Scott and you are in the final, which we will come to later. Let's talk about the Chelsea game. Uh, I was the guy who said. On a few podcasts to Danny who passed it on to all the betting fans of this uh, podcast that the 7-1 to on Chelsea was a great bet when they lost their first game of the season. Do we feel there's still 7-1 to shots to win the league, Peter?
1: I think they'll be there, thereabouts. My personal opinion, they'll probably fall a bit short. But, you know, I think we've all just been shown... What a knee-jerk reaction media we have now, and even us as fans, Because and I was kind of on board with it, they looked on in crisis a few weeks ago. But realistically, you look at it, and they've only lost Matic and Costa out of the Premier League winning team last year. Murata has settled a lot quicker than I think most of us thought. Bakioko will be a good signing. Fabregas is still an absolute world-class player on his day. To break down a defence, there aren't really much better Conte's also, what really impressed me about Conte last year was the fact that when Mourinho and, and Guardiola decided fairly early on, oh, I don't have the players to play the way I want, Conte just found a system that worked to, to maximise the strengths of the players he had, and I think he'll, he'll do really well again this year. Hazard coming back is a big boost, obviously. He'll be back for the Arsenal game next week, and um, you'd be a madman to to bet against them beating Arsenal at Stamford Bridge. But I still kind of think they'll probably finish about third Chelsea.
0: Scott, talk to me about Arsenal-Bournemouth.
3: Not an unexpected result. Arsenal needed to come back and get a convincing win. It wasn't going to be the hardest out of the office ever. Bournemouth probably got a bit to be worried about. I thought they'd be fine, but they don't look convincing at this point. And the halo that's hanging on Eddie Howe's head seems to be sort of wobbling at the moment. That said... I don't think their fans are getting too downhearted at the moment. They've played two of the big sides along the way and two beatable sides as well. So we just see Brighton over the week and get a result and uh, I think they'll be coming for them and, and going back to Arsenal. Um, that won't change the mood around them. Beating Bournemouth isn't beating one of the big clubs. Won't convince them that they're anywhere near it, good enough to challenge for anything. Uh, they've got an erratic manager. They've got an erratic fan base. There seems to be a bad mood around the club and I think Arsenal are the one club that you can write off, more or less, from any major success this season. I don't think they'll do well in the Europa League. I don't think they'll do particularly well in the Cup competitions. There's just a really poor atmosphere around that place at the moment. And the Arsenal fans calling for Wenger Z might actually get their wish this season.
0: Yeah, I think it was, a, it was a big error for him not to leave after the FA Cup win. Peter, what about Pulis Watch and Brighton 3, West Bromwich Albion 1?
1: Yeah, it was it was a bad, bad weekend for the man with the magic hat. I don't know if you saw the interview after it, but he let his players know in no uncertain yeah. terms that uh, if you if you're not at it for ninety minutes in a Premier League game, you'll uh, you'll be punished. And he alluded to a couple of players. Uh, he didn't name any names coming back from international duty, not looking too fresh on Thursday. So I don't know if maybe a few of them are celebrating good results in the international fixtures or not. But you know they they need to be careful because. Uh, Tony will start throwing headbutts around in the shower if they keep them kind of up, so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Tony will have them running alongside <laughs> probably David Brent with caps on with caps on to the side like going to John O'Groats or something like that. But it won't
3: be pretty for them.
1: All in all, they've West Ham next so they can chalk that down to a very Tony Pulis 1-0 win. Hold up, yeah. hold up a minute. Don't get too
3: excited. Bilic's fan, he's in the Tony Pulis. So, you know, he could have be out Tony Pulis by slamming He's in the Tony Pulis. Maybe. You never know. Football circle's know. really tight-knit. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It
3: seems to be, yeah. I
0: wouldn't take anything away from Brighton, though. Uh, they seems to be an amazing atmosphere at the Amex. And uh, fair play to Chris Hewton as well. They really went at them, and I thought they really deserved it.
2: Yeah, they were very good. They were very good, Brighton. I had this game last week as a prediction. I, I predicted a 1-0 with a centre-back. But uh, what I didn't what I didn't see coming was um, the guy that scored 2 and set up 1 for Tom Mohammed was Gross. Just did a little bit of research on him because I, I, I hadn't heard much about him. He signed on a free from Ingolstadt last year.
0: Yes, he is very German.
2: Yeah, yeah, natürlich. And he, uh, he created more chances in the Bundesliga last year than any other player. 98 chances he created last year. And he's already covered more ground in the Premier League than any other player this season. So he looks like he's he's a bit of a find. We spoke about it a few weeks ago. With David Wagner and a few managers like that who don't have the big war chest to go and, and sign Proven Quality but have to go and nick players off smaller sides for smaller fees. But uh, it looks like Chris has found himself uh, an absolute gem in growth and um, fair play to him. Yeah,
1: they were relegated last year, Danny, as well. So Yeah, yeah you consider they were relegated. Slots, um, it's not
2: the sort of area you think you're going to go and look for players in. But if you hear the right things and you go and you, and you take a pop on them, He's obviously going to be a big player for them this season because goals have been very hard to come uh, to come by for them. But if he can get his shooting boots on, get creating chances, they've half a chance because I think they'll be all right at the back. I don't think they're, they're the worst team in the league defensively. Liverpool are still in there, so uh, I think they'll be all right.
1: Great piece of management by Chris Houghton as well because it was well publicised they really were trying to get a striker in. They couldn't get a striker in. So that guy, Hamed, who scored the likes of Glenn Murray, they'd basically been told that they were going to be on their way in the summer transfer window. So supposedly he had to sit down quite a few players and say, OK, look, you know, I wanted to move you on, but it is what it is. And you're staying with us. And uh, they all went out and gave him a good performance. So, uh, yeah, really fair play to Chris Houghton.
2: Yeah, but the players are playing for themselves before they're playing for the club nearly So I, I wouldn't expect anything less. But well, I would expect it. But it should be, it should be the minimum requirement, I think. Carl, speaking of managers that are doing very well in
0: their new clubs, Marco Silva, Watford beating Southampton two nil.
4: Yeah, I mean, I actually tipped Watford to uh, struggle this year, but he, he seems to have a little knack about him, doesn't he, this guy? And you yeah. get the impression he's working his way up to bigger and better, better things because Watford are playing some good stuff at the moment and that yeah. they look a little bit formidable. So... I think that early prediction of them struggling could go out in the window and they may be one of them teams if they continue playing this way under this guy then you could see a comfortable mid-table finish easily and if he was to get Watford around mid-table or with inside that top ten I can't see him staying at one of these small clubs much longer before a big side come and take him because he, he's just got a knack of getting these guys playing good football and you can clearly see they want to play for him yeah very surprised but in, in some ways quite pleased because it's nice see one of those little clubs bucking the trend yeah very impressed so far with Watford
0: Pellegrino was his team were made to look quite ordinary though right
4: yeah there's this something not right at Southampton isn't it they, they've they managed to kind of hold off that selling their best players and coping the following season but you wonder how long you can get away with doing that before you suddenly come unstuck and the players you bring in don't I know, obviously, lots of Southampton supporters weren't that happy last year with the manager playing boring football, they thought. But they had a reasonable season, to be honest. Just unlucky to lose the cup final to United. But this year, they started very, very slowly for them. And, and they'll need to seriously pick it up quite quickly. Right. Danny, talk to me about Swansea and Newcastle. It wasn't much of a game. Super Sunday.
2: Jeez, I'd say Skyward just got away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad this... I'm glad this one's over. I know they have to give everyone a certain amount of game time. You'd think they'd always try and sneak one of the big big four or five teams in on a Sunday. They didn't manage it, but this Sunday coming looks like it'll be very good. We'll get to that later, I'd say. Yeah, I I thought it was a pretty poor game. Um, I was bigging up Sanchez last week, but I, I don't think I've seen a player so bereft of confidence. He took a free kick with about half an hour to go, and it's still up there, I think. He just looked... His teammates are dragging him up off the ground. They could see he was one of these, he's really struggling. I'm sure it'll take him a bit of time to get used to the pace of the Premier League and that. It was a bit upsetting to see that because, uh, as I said last week, I really like him. I think as the season goes on, he'll get he'll get better and uh, he'll, uh, he'll help Swansea definitely stay up, I think, this season. What I took from the game was, I looked at uh, Newcastle last year at the start of the season and I thought they bought well they bought Matt Ritchie they have Les Ellis there they bought Dwight Gale and I thought they're really good championship players they'll get them out of the championship and then at the start of this season I saw the same squad and it says oh they're only good championship players they'll struggle this season Yeah, I didn't think they'd go down but I just thought there's too many Kieran Clarks and these sorts of players and then I thought there's just not enough so when there's not enough you need performances like you got from Jamal uh, Lascelles, the captain, last year, was amazing I, fun, Yeah, he was yeah. brilliant. He was brilliant. And they're the sort of three points that you dig out. That, that's the reason you give someone an armband, a performance yeah. like that. And sometimes they just give it to the best player or the highest earner or someone that throws his fucking toys out of the pram. Antonio he, Valencia or something. Th- yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he got it because he's a man. And he's a man that looks dependable, yeah. strong, who's there for his teammates. All those sorts of traits that uh, aren't important in football anymore. Like from the, for the outsiders looking in. We're in a dressing room. There's respect there. And I don't think anyone would give him much right like that. I'd say there's a bit of respect there. And I think a captain should be feared in, in a way, you know. I think there should be massive respect for your captain. He's the sort of captain I would like to play for. Because you have respect for him. But he's tough. He proved that by... He nearly he nearly did a Phil Babb with that clearance off the line it looked like when he was getting there you're thinking oh fuck this lads Jaffers are gone he survived it and then pops up the other end 10 minutes later with a good header great captain's performance and for me that's what I took out of the game Peter Manchester United
1: yeah um, I know it was billed a bit as them failing their first big test and it, although it was I suppose their, their most difficult assignment so far all in all I, I wasn't too disappointed Stoke were good Give them credit. You know, a 2-2 draw in the greater scheme of things away isn't the worst result. I would have taken 10 points out of four games before the the season started, even if their first run of fixtures is quite favourable. I definitely think United are better in midfield and going forward. Still a couple of question marks defensively. Boye, I love to watch him, but he's a bit of a madman. Jones, I want him to do well, but he's not only just injury prone, he seems to be accident prone. He fell in his arse there for the second goal. All in all, happy with United. You know, I do think there's there's been big progress from last season. You know, last year they lost five games, which was the same as Chelsea. Actually, their problem came because they drew 15, with ten of the ten of them draws coming at Old Trafford. So, where I'm really focusing this year is picking up results at Old Trafford. If they do that and they can win 14 or 15 games at home, which they did in the past, and which any team with designs on challenging for the Premier League title need to do, which is all I really want now at this this stage after four or five years of, yeah, being the doldrums, basically. Point away from Stoke, a decent Stoke side isn't the worst, worst result in the and world.
0: Then we had a handshake gate at the end of the game. Uh, an early contender for prick of the week is uh, my favourite Manchester United manager, Jose Mourinho. Any comments on that?
1: Yeah, well, it's Mark Hughes okay. has been in a lot of them situations. So, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I don't you know. <laughs> Maybe there's two pricks there, you know what I mean? So...
0: Yeah, but you can't knock Husey. You can't knock Husey.
1: Yeah. Man City manager, man. He wasn't exact... I don't think his loyalties to United are too strong. But... And Chelsea. Yeah. He's
3: a Chelsea fan, though, funny enough. Is he? Is is it? It? Yeah, he's a Chelsea fan. He was a great player, he Chelsea he was... as well, didn't he? Yeah,
0: Another football one football. gone down in my estimation. Chocolate. All right, well, we have gone through, I think, all of the games. We're now going to go with the Zidane quotes. And you're all supposed to talk... In a French accent, which I'm going to find hilarious, this is the bit where I enjoy listening to you guys make a dick of yourselves, and uh, you've got to pick a Zidane quote, or a quote spoken about Zidane. I'll start with Carl
4: okay uh one of the ones i love some um fabian bartes uh had a good comment about sedan and he said it exactly like this when he said oh, 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 hello how are you okay for me he's the greatest player of the century the best player of all time oh, 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 onion, <laughs> onion. that's exactly what he said when he made that quote <laughs> yeah. as well
0: excellent just before he got kissed on the top of his head yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what uh, have you got for us, uh, Scott? Well,
3: my accent and my quote it, the whole intention is to get our female listeners to get a bit tingly and our male listeners, maybe with that inclination, to get a bit uh, loiny at the same time.
1: <laughs> loiny. 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 Is that even um, a word? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think we've got the title for our podcast. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I think
3: he was born with a bull at his feet. I think when the doctor pulled him out he said, This is weird, there is a bull here. Emmanuel Petite. Did that work for you, lads?
1: No. Very good. That's no. Only no.
3: Very loyal, <laughs> The only man to be born with three bulls. <laughs> Moving
2: on. Danny practice this. Uh, he dominates the ball. Oh, this is actually from Alfredo, uh, Alfredo Di Stefano, but I'll do it in the French accent. Oh, whatever. Um, he dominates the ball. He is a walking spectacle. Uh, he plays as if he had silk gloves on his foot. He make it worthwhile going to the stadium. He's one of the best I have ever seen. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> Très bien. Très bien, still Good. Good. Mr. Henry?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, oh, Henri. Henri, yeah. Henri. Pierre-Henri Pierre. is my name in French, actually. Pierre. Yeah, Pierre. Pierre. Well, it sounds better. I'll stick with yeah, the Pierre. It does. It does um, like Marcel, okay, so this is Marcel Desailly, He was a beast of a player, actually, himself. So this is what he said about Zizou: a true artiste. What he could do with Ziball was incredible. <laughs> Only Maradona could do the same. Zizou was also a player capable of rising to the occasion at important momentos and deciding games. That's all he had to say about that.
2: You are fucking so shit. It makes sense every time he does it, he says it himself. Yes, honestly. Yeah. This, well, is okay. this is deep, Trevor, the world. Well. In <laughs> the heart of Europe, you know, <laughs> of something from somewhere. Nothing. My hey. thought I started,
1: started well. I thought I started well. You sound like you're fucking some lad from <laughs> Mill Hill. All the, <laughs> All
0: the fucking time. PS football makes it successful play for French listeners there. <laughs> um, before we get on to reviewing next week's games, it's time for that favourite segment of the show which is Prick of the Week. Let's start with Danny. Who's the Prick of the Week this week for
2: you? Um I'm going with Robbie Savage. Oh. That's it. I'm just going with Robbie Savage. <laughs> and, uh, just because he's, he's a prick in general. Just because he's a prick in general. He's one of these footballers. I'd say he definitely wears the jumper over the shoulder and, yeah. and ties it in a knot. You know that knot? That yeah. like Amer- American fucking... Yeah.
3: American well, old navy. Oh, who done it? Phil, what's his name? Used to be Allardyce's assistant at Bolt, and he used to love. Oh, Phil Brown it? trousers.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing says I'm a prick like a jumper tied around there. No, honestly,
3: it's one
0: of my big pet hates, anyway. I, I quite like the prickness of Robbie Savage as well, because he's well, he knows he's a prick. But he, he kind of claims to be one of the
1: kind of Nicky Butt, uh, Paul Skull. Scho- yeah, yeah, class of yeah, 90s.
2: Can I come to the gathering for the child? No, you were fucked out, mate. Good luck. Oh, okay. Can I invest in Salford? No, you can't, mate. And you're not allowed to come to the games, either. <laughs> you know? here's, a, here's a fiver. Get your hair done, Robbie. Right, yeah. we're
0: moving on to
2: Carl, who's the prick of the week? All <laughs> oh, right, I'm not going to give my reason, grand.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <any problem for laughs> reason. Okay, fuck off! I've bought, yeah. bought it already.
4: I've bought it already. Done. For me, can't... I'm going Garth Crooks this week. The, the man who struggled to pick a goalkeeper for his eleven of the week, saying that it was hard to pick a goalkeeper out of all the goals that were scored this weekend in the Premier League, and yet there were six clean sheets in the Premier League. And the bloke is on fucking drugs. Started <laughs> criticising Paul Pogba for his hair. The guy is just on a planet of his own. There were some great
0: goalkeeping performances. Tehea played great. Uh, Stokes' keeper played great. Yeah, no. right. even, even the guy who got injured in, in the. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a great start to the game. the right. time. Time. Midnight played all right as well. <laughs> Believe it or not, it could have been Dan. <laughs> no, 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 Danny, don't go overboard. Um, we have two. We've got a running theme here: Robbie Savage and uh, Garth Crooks. Scott, I'm
3: going to destroy that. I'm going with the Crystal Palace board. How can you have such uh, short insight into the man you're bringing in? Uh, offering what was it, a, a three or five-year deal? and then within 70-odd days, giving the boat They're just absolutely ridiculous. Our philosophy versus vision, they're just stupid. What a shit club.
0: can't disagree with that one either. Peter?
1: Yeah, I'm going to make it a hat-trick of, of pundits, actually. I thought that Gary Neville and Martin Tyler, before I go any further, I actually really like the two and really respect them. So this is actually Gary Neville's second out of three weeks been my prick of the week. <laughs> but I just thought... I thought their coverage of the Mane incident was an absolute disgrace. It took them about three minutes to actually even realise or acknowledge the fact that the City goalkeeper was prostrate on the ground. They just talked about how the game had been ruined and how Mane was going for the ball. They never once mentioned how brave I thought it was as well by Ederson to put his head in there. That seems to have been lost. Um, and you were as you were saying there a minute ago, Shawnee, he'd actually started to have a really good game. They were just trying to get their own agenda of how they think football should be Stub- played. Stubbornness. Stubbornness, yeah. Well, it's just how... Forget the rules. This is how I think it should be played. You're a well-paid pundit. Let's tell us the rules. He should have been sent off. Acknowledge the fact your man hasn't moved for three minutes. Fuck you, his pricks.
0: No other podcast has Prick of the Week. That's why you're here listening to us. We're coming up to their preview of next week's games and betting tips from our punters. John, Johnny, sorry, uh,
2: are you going to pick a Prick of the Week?
0: Oh, I, I didn't realise I had to pick one. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. I thought they were I thought they were all good. I, I'll go with Scott. And Just because it's uh, it, I also agree with that. I just can't understand how you, you kick a guy out after four games. So Crystal Palace board. You no, know, let's just make it.
1: Parish, Parish,
3: yeah. Yeah, I think we can all yeah, get
1: on board. You. We can all yeah, get him Well yeah, done, parish. Yeah. Prick. 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 There right. go. He's just a, a poor <laughs> oh, yeah. Simon Jordan. That's all he is.
0: Yeah, boom. Yeah. Hope you're listening. Prick. Right, <laughs> AFC Bournemouth, Brighton and Hope Albion, Peter.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Bournemouth here because I think, as we said, there's four games, no points. I think a bit a la West Ham last night. They just really, really need this result. And maybe Brighton will be, they're on four points now. They mightn't put as much into, into this as, as they would have before. They're 23-10 to 10 for the win. And a 2-0 win is 10-1, to 1, which I think is a, a bad, not a bad little punt.
4: Carl, Crystal Palace, Southampton. Yeah, uh, I think Southampton will probably heap a little bit more misery on Palace and Warwick might be in charge, but with Benteke taking corners rather than being in the box, <laughs> I think Southampton will nick a, a 1-0 win or something like that, or maybe 2-1. And if you think both teams might score in the first half there, then 4-1 to on that, which I think could be a good bet. Huddersfield Town, Leicester City, Scott? I
3: fancy this to be a good game, actually. Leicester are gonna be their chance to push on. I'm gonna pick three one to Leicester at twenty eight to one. Liverpool Burnley, Peter.
1: Yeah, this is this is kind of the game Liverpool normally struggle with. Danny, did the, was it 1-1 or 2-1 last year in the home game at Anfield? It was near the end of the season. They really struggled, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they went 1-0 down, Giles Barnes, and then um, just before <laughs> half-time when Aldum scored and then Emre Chan got a nice goal from outside the box. But they were very poor. Yeah. I think Matt, Matt Loughton missed the sitter in the 90th minute. They were very poor. Liverpool were just coming out of that bad run. It was around March time, I think. But, yeah, you get a big price on Burnley in that game, I'd say.
1: Yeah, well, what I'm actually going for, as I said, I think this is, a, this is the game, Liverpool. Liverpool will struggle with burnley'll just pump it past Klopp's high press a-, a draw is 5 to 1 i think that's that's worth uh, a flutter and uh, the 1-1 draw is 11 to 1
3: okay newcastle united stoke city scott i'm um, looking at a draw i think newcastle will do anything to get points more or less i know they're not struggling per se but i think throughout the season they'll start to dip uh, and stoke will got off to a good start but i think st james's park they'll close them down i'm going to go for 1 or 11 to 2 Excellent. Watford, Manchester City, Danny. Watford have started well,
2: but I'm a bit old school. I think there's only so much your manager can do, and um, I don't think uh, Marco Silva will have much of an influence. If, if Man City, uh, if they click the way uh, the way they can, I fancy them to hockey them. So I'm gonna go for Man City to win by three goals, and that's nine to two.
0: Excellent. Tony Pulis versus uh, West Ham United, Peter.
1: Like you said earlier, Sean, I thought Antonio was, was really good there last night with all the talk of West Ham's struggling. They look a completely different team when he's in there and he's 13-5 to 5 to score any time. So I'm going to get on that. And then West Brom, the result, I'm going to go 2-1 to West Brom and that is 13 to is 13-2. to 13-2.
3: Spurs,
0: Swansea City, Scott.
3: I reckon Spurs will do a very professional job over Swansea I don't think Swansea that bad I think Clement's a decent manager but I fancy Spurs at 2-0 11-2 and probably a brace from Kane but I have to admit I'm struggling to find um, the odds on him getting uh, a couple of goals so uh, cut that bit out I suppose <laughs> well no we will still hold you to
2: it Chelsea Arsenal Danny Chelsea are 5-6 to six. I'll put whatever shred of a reputation I have it. if Chelsea don't beat that women's Arsenal team by at least two goals, I'd be I'd be really surprised. It's boys against men or men against boys even. Chelsea minus one. It's two to one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was three or four. It's as I said, it's big strong man against loads of lads. It's just like tickling the ball around. So uh, an easy win for Chelsea for me. Just like the cup final then, right? Yeah.
1: Listen. Oh that we, cost we, me, we, lads. We, that cost me.
0: And finally, Carl, Manchester United play Everton.
4: Yeah, well after Everton's last game, I don't think they'll they'll be looking forward to going to Old Trafford at the moment. I think United will cruise this one. Three 0 score line is fifteen to two and I think that's definitely worth a bet. And the goal scorer market, I'm gonna go for Mikatarian to score first at five to one. But I see United easily cruising this one. We don't
0: hold uh, you guys up to any of these. How have you been doing so far this season? I'm about
1: ninety-eight percent, I think. That's
0: bo- that's bo- I got three.
2: Out of, I got three out of four last week.
0: One of your little statos should keep a record of your predictions and see how they go. And who knows, you might I break we three six want five.
2: Don't be held up to it, fo- We spout shite every week. We don't <laughs> to be held up for it. You know. We're making it up as we go along.
0: (laughs) Does anyone want to add anything to the podcast before we finish with the uh, quiz final? I thought we were going to do the superstitions, no? Oh, we did have a superstition thing in here. There was a part of the briefing that says, in this day of sports scientists, dietitians, and sleep therapists, many top players still perform strange superstitions before or during games. Which is your favourite craziest superstition you've heard performed by a player? Danny, you better start since you reminded me. I will start.
2: Uh, Malvin Kamara. Everyone knows Malvin. Uh, Sierra Leone International. Played for the likes of MK Dons, Cardiff City, Port Vale, Huddersfield, and Grimsby. But what I liked about him, his crazy superstition was, and it's probably because it's one of my favourite films as well as a a child, and still now I think it's a bit of a quirky one. Before he went out on the pitch, uh, he had a strange ritual. He had to watch the classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, and he said, uh, I have to watch him for every game. It gets me in the right mood. It's been my favourite film since I was little. It calms
4: my nerves and gives me luck. So, uh, yeah, good man, Malvin. That bloke has got some fucking issues, if that's
3: what i me about about. It. It's not a bad film. Dean <laughs> Wilder is unbelievable in that film. I just remember wanting to punch the girl in the head, the daft cow.
4: It worked very
0: well from that time when they played the Oompa Loompa X1. All
3: yeah.
0: right,
4: Put that joke out. Um. So, <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go next on superstitions? before? I'll go, we next, I'll go next. go next. One of my favourites, and those of us who've played football probably know how this feels. And it was a uh, the amount of times you might in a warm up when you got your fag in your hand on a Sunday and you'd uh, smash a ball top bins and think, oh shit, I've ruined that one for today. That's me gone. So Gary Lineker apparently would never take a shot at goal during his match warm ups because he didn't want to waste a goal apparently. Rumour has it that if he didn't manage to score in the first half he'd change his shirt if the run extended to a couple of games he'd resort to getting a haircut. Maybe he just wanted to make his fucking ears a bit bigger (laughs) Right, moving on Scott, superstitions
3: I've got a, a strange chap, a weird beard extraordinaire in David James eccentric as they come and his one was as well as not speaking to anyone uh, pre-match it would also involve him going to urinals waiting until they are empty and then gobbing on a wall nice straight oh, classy Let's make classy over. Oh, classy, <laughs> that. classy lovely Peter
1: yeah, mine. I don't know. I'd say most of us will might remember this guy. His name was Sergio Goycochea. He was Argentina's yeah. goal goalie oh, yeah. in the 1990 World Cup, and his speciality was actually uh, saving penalties. He came into the Argentina team late in the tournament. I think the second round. Um, and I had a Packy Bonner jersey at the time, so I wanted to be a goalkeeper. So he was saving penalties. He was a he was a hero of mine. And then I found out afterwards that. In the quarterfinal of the World Cup against the Czech- Czechoslovakia, I think it was. Goes into penalties and, you know, you've been on the pitch for, what, maybe two hours by then. And Gajkocea was dying for a piss. So he would nothing else to do, but he just decided to piss himself on the pitch. He saved two or three penalties. Came to the next, next game, semi-final, against the hosts, Italy. He thought, why not? I'll just do it again. Pissed himself again. Saved another couple of penalties. And he said he continued it for the rest of his career. Whenever he had to face a penalty, he'd just piss himself.
2: But he should have pissed himself before <laughs> Bremen stepped up for West.
1: Jordan. Yeah, I know. I, I, well, I left that, that out. I, I think it sounded better without that, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm so going well. to go for Guy Kaché and his, his piss-soaked short shorts
0: this podcast has got very scatological in the last uh an injury time anyway we have a final thing to do which is the quiz final between peter and uh, scott and your quiz final question today is and we're now going for a closest okay. to the number bournemouth have the smallest stadium in the english premier league what scott. is its capacity
3: scott yeah, 11,800, I believe. Peter,
1: um, I'm gonna go for no googling. No, I'm I gonna go for I think it's more than that, so I think 15,000 will be safe. I think so.
0: 11,464.
1: Oh, Scott so is
3: oh. the winner, oh, is it really. That's my me winning that was like Obiang's goal against Huddersfield I'll take it
0: <laughs> <laughs> so listen guys that was great I enjoyed hosting you guys for the for, for the first time I think I may be back next week or maybe not I don't know but I'd love to come back anytime it was really great chatting to you I love the podcast I love the way you're growing so well and uh, it's just great to be able to hear a bunch of lads who can just talk like lads down the pub and banter away but you're also very knowledgeable as well you guys who are listening I have to put a plug in for my own podcast which is a pint with Shawnee B which you can find on all famous podcast platforms if you want to come, home, come and listen to a bit more of my bullshit but until next week from the PS Football Podcast this is
2: Goodbye Goodbye